This is the TriDot Podcast. TriDot uses your training data and genetic profile combined with predictive analytics and artificial intelligence to optimize your training, giving you better results in less time with fewer injuries. Our podcast is here to educate, inspire, and entertain. We'll talk all things triathlon with expert coaches and special guests. Join the conversation and let's improve together. Together. Welcome to the TriDot Podcast. Pure running is a different endeavor from triathlon where we run off the bike. But that doesn't mean there aren't valuable lessons we can learn from the running community. Particularly when a world-famous marathon champion uh, decides he wants to come on our show and talk to us. And that is exactly what we have with us today in our first guest. Meb Kofleski is a runner, best-selling author, and co-founder of 26 a brand celebrating and enriching the enduring spirit of running culture. He was the first person and only male to win the Boston Marathon, the New York City Marathon, and an Olympic Marathon medal. Today, Meb is committed to helping runners become elite versions of themselves and nurturing the sport of running for the next generation. Meb is now coaching runners with RunDot, the sister app of TriDot, uh, and, and, and Meb, we're thrilled to have you on the TriDot podcast to teach us triathletes a thing or two about running. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm so thrilled to be part of the TriDot podcast. You know, I've always been a fan of triathlete because I can't do those things that you guys do, but I could do I, one thing. I think thing. you probably could. I think you could. I, <laughs> it's worth <laughs> a try sometimes, but yeah. I could do one and do really well, the marathon, and I'm here just excited to be able to just get some tips. Well, I, I got to see if I can rope Meb onto a relay team for a triathlon, and, and uh, we'll, we'll let you do the run, obviously. Uh, <laughs> also with us today for this chat is TriDot founder and CEO, Jeff Boer. Jeff is the chief architect behind TriDot's insight optimization technology that powers TriDot training. He's a multiple-time Ironman finisher who has coached dozens of professional triathletes and national champions, as well as hundreds of age groupers to podiums and PRs since he began coaching triathlon in 2003. And Jeff, you're actually on back-to-back episodes. You were with us last week uh, to talk with Scott from Fuelin. Uh, so, so welcome back just so closely in a row to t- uh, talk with me and Meb. Thank you. I think this frequency is a first. Uh, usually you can only take <laughs> me in small doses every once in a while. So this is great. Meb's one of my sports heroes, someone's I've re- respected and admired for a very long, long time, not just for his, uh, you know, on the race course accomplishments, but his character and integrity too. So this is a true privilege. Well, I am Andrew, the average triathlete, voice of the people and captain of the middle of the pack. As always, we'll roll through our warm-up question, settle in for our main set conversation uh, of running today, and then we'll wind things down with Vanessa taking over for the cool-down to get a coach cool-down tip from one of our TriDot coaches. Lots of good stuff. Let's get to it. Time to warm up. Let's get moving. In every sport, there is something extra special about a championship event. As a spectator, you get the biggest stage for that sport, the best teams and the best athletes. Uh, The tickets for those events are usually extra in demand. Uh, And Jeff, Meb, I'm wondering today for our warm-up question, if you could be in the audience for any sport championship event, what would you most want to spectate? And Meb, I know you've raced and I'm sure you've spectated 
on all the biggest run events in the world. But but I'm curious, what is this answer for you? You know, being a sport fan is always a very, very difficult question. But I love I love spectating soccer. Uh, football. Been on the outside. F- football. You know, that's what, uh, you know, my nickname was Pele at one point when I was in Italy. You wow. Know, uh, okay. So <laughs> I was a big soccer fan. And that's how, uh, before I started running, that's what my favorite athleticism was or uh, my dad always took us to the park so we can play soccer recreationally once once we made it to Italy. But growing up in the United States, I am a big fan of the NBA and uh, love seeing this, you know, those tall guys and do something really phenomenal athletes uh, to be able to do the things they do. So, And they have a lot of respect for marathoners or something different discipline like a triathlon also because, you know, they do well. They can hop, jump, dunk. But and then when it comes to the stamina, I think we got them a little bit. Do you have a favorite team, Meb? I'm a Spurs fan. I'm the San okay. Antonio Spurs. Uh, Dave Robinson, when he first got, yeah. he was a man of class, a man of uh, integrity, and just, you know, uh, very fine guy. And then I obviously I'm a debilated Kobe fan. I'm a Kobe was a great guy, and uh, I got to meet him a few times. And he, you know, he, you know, he growing up in Italy. I ran, randomly ran into him in uh, Santa Monica Pier, oh, wow. in a Third Street <laughs> Promenade, and I said, the first commercial they had with, uh, I mean, Adidas at the time was in Italian, so I'm like, I gotta say hi to him, how did I get to him to say hi, and then I start speaking to him in Italian, he's like, how do you know Italian? I'm like, and then the rest, I got access to him, and it was great. Captured his attention, yeah, that's a great story, yeah, that's that's a great, yeah, two two champions just chatting on the pier. Uh, Jeff Boer, what is this answer for you? What championship event would you most want to spectate in person? Well, this, I'm like, uh, being a sports fan, there's so many. I got, uh, um, I was tempted to say the Rangers, they're in the, the World Series now. I got to they see sure the Rangers are. when the first one in 2010, took my family and kids to that. But um, I think the one that, that I guess I'll stick with is uh, track and field, the relay, either 4x100 or 4x400. Um, this is just so exciting. My dad took me, he passed about 20 years ago, but about 10 years before that, he took me to the Goodwill Games in Houston. And Meb's reacting right here. And I remember Carl Lewis was anchor leg for the South team. And it was just so, I couldn't believe that many people got that silent for something. Wow. And it was just crazy electric. And I remember it. Uh, so there's a, a connection with my dad, that event, Carl Lewis. Um, and it was just phenomenal. So I just love country against country. So that event four by 100 or four by four in the Olympics would be like the epic championship event for me to spectate. You know, track and field is always exciting, you know, to be able to do the relay and the four by four or even partake of the my relay, you know, where you uh-huh. have four laps, three laps, two laps and a 400 meter something for everybody. And having a team is always good, you know, participate in a team relay at UCLA was a lot of fun for me. I always did the mile. So people don't know that I've done a mile before. <laughs> and uh, there was a guy named Kevin Sullivan from the University of Michigan and from Canada originally by running for University of Michigan. To try to outkick him is no way. So you just got to go bat out of hell and just go out hard <laughs> and hold on to hell. You know, but I know, obviously, I didn't win that race. But to be able to be a miler, it's always a wonderful thing that you can relate, you know. And to be able to be part of that community and, and a relay is awesome, you know. Uh, but sprints, to be part, I was a part of the Goodwill Games in 99. Uh, my first U.S. team. Uh, the Long Island was a lot of fun, and to be able to see those guys on gals sprint and measure that batangas in your hand is a pretty exciting time. Meb, what, what was your fastest mile in your career? What was your best one mile time? 
Uh, so I ran 4.02, was really rainy. I was trying to break for four, four, uh, four minutes, but I ran 4.05 in high school, winning the national titles and the uh, 3,200 meters or 3,000 also in high school. But at UCLA, I was uh, 4.02, we were trying to run at the twilight, zone, twilight uh, race at Oregon, and it was raining. I was hoping to do that. Uh, so I tried a couple of times to break four minutes, but in high school, Ron Tab, my good friend, tried to help me to break with the Brazilians. At the time, there was not a lot of training groups, but the Brazilians were training in San Diego. Okay. Uh, I, I ran 4.05, and then... For Oton College, so but not so close. At two two uh, three forty two for the fifteen hundred meter, which is converse under four, but not officially, so it still hurts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's you're a wee bit faster than Jeff and I, so you have our respects, that's for sure. Uh, this answer for me, I, I'm a big Miami Dolphin fan, uh, and and it's funny, like right now actually is the first time the Miami Dolphins have actually been good, like in my entire adult life. So my my answer here would be, I would love to go to the Super Bowl if it's the Miami Dolphins. Uh, if it's not the Miami Dolphins, I don't really care about being at the Super Bowl in person. I'd rather be at home in the comfort of my own home. Uh, so otherwise, I would say a World Cup final. Uh, I think, Meb, you would agree uh, the World Cup is obviously a premier sporting event, and to be at a final, uh, regardless of who it is and where it's being played, would be really, really special. Absolutely. The World Cup's awesome. I do regret not going to South Africa for that one, but you know, in 2026, it is going to be in the United States, so that's kind yeah. of exciting. And uh, where it's going to be, I'm not sure yet, but I know between Canada, U.S., and Mexico is the plan. But yeah, that would be a thrill of a lifetime to be able to be in a World Cup. Yeah, Dallas is shortlisted as a city that might get a game. So if that's the case, okay. I will definitely be doing everything I can to get a ticket to whatever game ends up in Dallas. Uh, hey, guys, we're going to throw this question out to you, the TriDot podcast audience. Make sure that you're a part of the I Am TriDot Facebook group. We have thousands of triathletes talking swim, bike, and run every single day of the week. And every Monday when the new show comes out, I throw this question to you. So go find the post of me asking the group, uh, if you could go to any final in a sporting event, what event would you want to go to? Can't wait to see what you have to say. On to the main set. Going in three, two, one. Before we get too deep into the show today, I want to give a shout out to our good friends at UCAN. Here at TriDot, we are huge believers in using UCAN to fuel our training and racing. In the crowded field of nutrition companies, what separates UCAN from the pack is the science behind Live Steady, the key ingredient in UCAN products. While most energy powders are filled with sugar or stimulants that cause a spike and crash, UCAN energy powders, powered by Live Steady, deliver a steady release of complex carbs to give you stable blood sugar and provide long-lasting energy. I personally fuel my workouts with the orange-flavored Edge Gel and the unflavored UCAN Energy Powder. Between their Energy Mix, Energy Bars, Almond Butter, and more, there is definitely a Live Steady product that you will love. So head to their website, UCAN.co, and use the code TRIDOT to save 20% on your entire order. Now that code used to be 10%, but the fine folks at UCAN have upped it to 20% for TRIDOT Nation. So once again, that's UCAN.co, promo code TRIDOT. Excited to talk about running today with Marathon Meb Kofleski and Jeff Boer. Uh, we'll find out what triathletes can learn from pure runners about running. We'll hear some great stories from Meb's storied career. Uh, but, but before we get to that, Meb, the most current chapter of your career is nurturing the next generation of runners, which I absolutely love that, you're, that you care about that or doing that. When did you first recognize in yourself the, the, the desire to continue your running journey 
through coaching uh, other athletes. You know, Andrew and Jeff, I was so thrilled to have this interest early in my career. In high school, I remember coaching a guy named Jeff Stoic from a football player wanted to run the 800. That was the first time that I ever... That's cool. And he was able to write a workout for him. He was trying to break uh, two, 202 uh, in the 800. That's the first time. And then in 2000, after person college and per- turned professional, I was a community college coach at San Diego City College, a coach and uh, for cross-country. I was excited to be part of that. In fact, I came early from my first Olympic team to be a coach, but then I decided... Coaching is always going to be there for me, but I want how do I get the best out of myself at this point of my career? You know, it can't be a half job. You know, it can be a coach, it can be an athlete, and something's going to give up. So I decided, you know, I'm going to postpone my running coaching. And and people have been asking about it, but with Run Dot, it's just the right time. And I'm so grateful to Jeff and team for giving me the opportunity because Run Dot has great skills, a lot of data, and like 100K of athletes, 300 million of training sessions, and Facebook groups are close to 20,000. So they've done a lot of the hard work for me, and to be able to just be able to have this enthusiasm now to help others accomplish their own goals, because I accomplish mine, but how do I energize the next generation or the next person who wants to maximize their talent, you know? And uh, I know Tri-Dot has been very popular, but now we're trying to make the run dot a little bit more stepping stone toward <laughs> that. So it's a takeoff from that, but, you know, it's just wonderful to have this opportunity to share the skills that I have learned for many years as an Olympian or as a marathoner in the New York or Boston marathons. How do I help those not to be winners, but their own ways, not to come across finish line, but how do they achieve theirs, whether it's 5K, 10K, half marathon, full marathon, because running is something that boosts everybody up, and the community is just a, such a wonderful community to be part of. Yeah, and, and I know for our Trotted audience, a lot of triathletes become triathletes uh, having been runners first, right? And, and they just kind of, they start they start flirting with cycling, and they start dabbling with swimming, and all of a sudden, they're, they're doing a triathlon, and they don't know what happened. Uh, and a lot of triathletes uh, end up running, you know, marathons in the offseason, half marathons in the offseason, 5Ks, 10Ks. Uh, and, and so we, we Meb, are just thrilled to have you in the family. I think it's going to be fun to watch the Run Dot and Tri Dot uh, rivalry grow uh, just between the two brands, right, and between the coaches on, on just how, you know, how, how much they, they're doing for their athletes. But the, the official announcement went out uh, a little ways back, I think a few months ago now, uh, we announced that you are coaching runners through Run Dot. And, and as a legend in the run space, I mean, you, you could have gone a lot of different ways with how you wanted to coach your athletes. What attracted you to Run Dot? I was attracted to Run Dot because of the people behind it. You know, it's been awesome to be able to follow them a little bit. And then, you know, I have been running for 30 years or more, and there's been a that have gone and gone, that have come and gone. So with the proven fact with the technology that Jeff that invented the patent for it is just yeah. pretty incredible because, you know, we, technology meets experience for me. That's what I want. You know, the technology is always, you know, for me was with Coach Larson, we would put a, a rock or a stick to measure how far 400 <laughs> meters or like very high uh, yeah. Uh, yeah you know to be able to do that when we out in mammoth we're not in the track not everybody have access to the track so when we go to mammoth or bishop that's why coach larson would go on his bike and find a couple rocks put a couple layers like you know one top of the other or a stick and that, by the time i go like that i look at my watch okay that was 800 i'm doing my repeats okay did i go too fast did i not go too fast but yeah. now with technology you can be able to just see it 
And that's what Roundup brings, the technology that have proven, fact, proven facts that helps um, less injuries but more results. So I felt very excited and hopefully be, can be a contributor to that with my experience that I have had since 1990, the, you know, which is, you know, that I, you know, participate in the shorter events, the mile, to the 5K, to the 10K, cross country and marathon. And I feel like I have this versatile athlete in me that I can help, hopefully help others achieve their own goals. Because, I mean, not everybody going to run the marathon, but we're here to help you. And Rondot is there to support you in every way they can. Yeah, and we've, we've just seen such an impact on our triathlon community with uh, j- j- just just the gift that Mark Allen and McKeeley Jones and Marinda Carfrey and Kathleen McCartney, you know, so, so many previous champions in our sport are coaching through TriDot and, and having their wisdom, having their just hearing their stories and learning from their race experiences has just been such a gift for our triathlete community. And so I know we are thrilled for our running community to get to learn from you and hear from you and hear your stories. And, and, and Jeff, I, I just want to know from you, now that we've announced Meb is coaching with, with Rundot, he's, he's gotten athletes on board. He's starting to work with athletes. You know, what, what, what has the response been from our running community? Uh, just having Meb as, as part of it all. Uh, it, was, it was pretty amazing. Uh, I was getting texts when the releases went out, like, are you serious? I can't believe this. Oh my gosh. Like, uh, so just that, that, that great re- response and um, a lot of shock, just like a home run. I know many years ago, and we talked about this before, uh, we knew Rundot was coming many years ago and we could have launched it you know anytime within probably the last three to four years and so we're waiting for the time and i know even back when we were planning um a decade ago um just knowing like mate when the day comes it would be so cool if we had the opportunity to work with meb and uh, i told him that when we, when we first started talking about this and and then just the timing was right and um, we reached out i know he had a relationship through uh, matt bach on our team and work with you can and um, so they had, you know, that history, they, they knew each other. Well, I was more of a admirer from far. I'd never, I met you once. I don't know if you remember, is it a lifetime, <laughs> like 10 years ago? He, um, I'm just going to say he does. He absolutely does. Yeah. You, you yeah, he definitely does. On med. Yeah. yeah. One of us remembered it very, very well. So, um, but anyway, so that was, it was just really cool to see, you know, our long-term planning and the work and the patience. Um, but that, that was still, uh, able to line up and the, and the opportunity, the timing was right for him where he was saying, okay, I'm saying yes to coaching and the timing was right for us. And that happened probably, you know, both of those realizations and w- within a couple months of each other. And so it was just super, super neat from the first conversation that we had. Yeah. We, we had a podcast episode go out at, with the launch of around dot, just to tell our triathlon community here, uh, just, just about that new platform. I, I know I personally, uh, I have so many people that I know that are not triathletes. They never want to become triathletes. Usually they, they don't want to do the swim part, right? They're, they're, they're just not open to hopping in the water and, 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 and wearing spandex and all that jazz. But uh, I have a lot of runner friends that for years know who I worked for, know what, knew what Tridot was, and they would express, hey, when RunDot, uh, you know, if you guys ever do something for, for runners, let me know. And I've had so many run friends, you know, take a look at the app, get on the app, start training with the app and, and report back just, just some great things. And, and so, so Jeff, I know our, our TriDot audience here listening, you know, we have some runners, we have some triathletes, uh, you know, we had that podcast episode go out, just kind of uh, announcing RunDot, talking about what it was, but, um, you know, for, for our, our RunDot athletes who are already on the platform and for our triathletes listening who, who have runner friends, 
you know, what, what, what can they expect to see from the Run.Brand brand in the marketplace as we head into uh, the, the coming years? A lot of advancements. It's really cool to be able to leverage the technology. Everything that we're doing in the triathlon space virtually, we're, we benefit from that in the running space and vice versa. So it's a common intelligence engine behind the scenes. Um, and so we're able to get more data, more athletes, um, and which is super cool from a data perspective. There's a lot of uh, new things that I probably can't speak to yet. Um, we don't, they're on the roadmap, been in the works, um, a lot of really cool things. I think one of the things is, and where we could actually use help is in the athlete education piece. There's so many things that our triathletes, we have such a huge, um, community there they're able to encourage each other and say hey trust the process and share different things that are counterintuitive things that are you know theoretically based you know from you know 30 years ago are just not true you know i think there's a, a mark twain quote that's um the problem's not what you don't know it's what you know for sure that just ain't so mm, um yeah. and so there's a lot of old mindsets based on just what people have done for 30 years that need to break through and where we have for example there's some athletes come on and say, oh this isn't enough volume i need to do something it's for beginners and and these some of these different things the the power stamina paradox the how you run your zone twos based on heart rate versus pace and why you do that and just some educational things when they don't yet have the experience and so some of it's new and it and it, it feels scary to some people but we're now getting to that you know two three four month point where we're having enough athletes out there so this is the help those athletes that are out there are sharing in our facebook group and other places the results and we had a guy that um was running a uh, really good runner um was running about 120 miles a week and kept getting injured you know imagine that um, so he switched over, started using Tridot, um, just injury free, substantially less, like less than half the volume. And he ran a 232 marathon. So that's just pretty awesome. And so he's, and at every that level is not from bad. beginners, yeah, that is not, yeah. that's not, not too bad. <laughs> so, um, at all levels, uh, being able to do that, to be able to stay injury free, keep doing the things that they love and, um, not being injured, being able to, you know, have a sustainable more kind of, it's like you get more rewarding more reward on, on race day, your PR and you're doing better than you thought you could. And that's very satisfying, gratifying. And then it costs you less. So you don't have to rain, rain, train as much. You can train as much as you have time for, but you don't have that pressure feeling like it's cutting into my family. It's cutting into my career, my other activities. Um, and then just the confidence of being able to keep doing it for longer and not worry as much about the injuries. Um, so, and that just comes with experience. More people after experiencing it, like Meb mentioned, it's the evidence-based, it's results-based. When so many people are saying, well, here's the results I got. You can argue with theory and what you've heard and what you've read for 20 years, but here's what the data says. And then here's what I say from my personal experience. So that's what I'm looking forward to that encouragement athlete to athlete. You know, when we say something like that, they go, oh yeah, well, you're the, you know, you founded it or you work there or something. But, but when the data says it, when other athletes say it, then that's what I'm excited about. Yeah. It has been really cool now that run has been in the marketplace for long enough for athletes to start seeing the results of the training. And, and, and there are people in the Facebook group, like you said, who are reporting back, you know, I, I just PR this, I just PR that I just ran this race and I felt fresher going in the race day than I ever have before. And, and yeah, so people are starting to, to share those results that, that, that we knew would come because uh, we, we've seen it with trotted athletes year after year after year. And, and Meb, for you, to, to run dot athletes now have the opportunity to work with Meb. And, and you are starting uh, 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 the, the Meb Run Club. And with Tridot and Run Dot, we always say the best, most ideal situation for the athlete is the optimized training of the platform 
uh, of our technology paired with the personal touch of a coach. And that is what runners will have when they join the MEB Run Club for their training. So, so Meb, what is the vision of Meb Run Club, and what do you hope runners will get out of working with you? I'm so honored to have Run Dot because you know the technology that it provides the data, it provides data after my training. You know, so that means better results and fewer injuries, which is helpful because, and the personal touch now becomes how do you get them motivated, how do you get them that experience that uh, that I have from previous races what to do, what not to do. I always tell people, advise them, write down three things that went right. Write down three things that don't go right. So that way you can say, when you go into the next race, how did you improve those? And those are the things that by jogging down notes that helps. And for me, visualization is important. So to be part of the Mevron Club is to say, hey, I'm thinking of going a marathon, whether it's the New York or the Boston Marathon, what I need to do since I've been there, and I tell them they can, they can read it, but at the same time, you need to change, to get ready for the Boston Marathon, you need to change your downhill run at the beginning. You, you know those streets. <laughs> I know those streets, especially Boston, you yeah. know. <laughs> it's point to point, you know, even the different cities have different kind of turns and whatnot. So visualization, goal setting, you don't have to, you know, you could, you could always cross out a goal then say it's un- unattainable. This is where the experience comes. Even for me, I was, when I was running, I didn't say go win, go win a medal for our country. That was make the Olympic team, make the final. Once you make the final, now you can say, how do I work my way to get a medal? And the same thing goes for the average runners to be able to just say, hey, I want to qualify or I want to earn that. And to stay healthy and be strong at the beginning. And that's what that did after my training comes around that. And then eventually with the, with the experience, don't panic. You're tapering. Don't panic now. It's okay because you're supposed to feel that way. Just you, you got to save yourself for the race. So you, then when the gun goes off, you can unleash and be patient going through the races. And don't blow it. You worked so hard to get here. Yeah. Don't blow the first 15, 18 miles because it's 26.2 miles. It's, it's, it's a long way. Yeah, it's a long, long way. And, and, and Meb, I'm curious. This is kind of putting you on the spot because this is not in our notes for, for today's show. But I, I love the notion of of at the end of a race, write down three things that went right and three things that went wrong, because there will be three things on both sides as long as these races are, whether it's a Ironman triathlon or a marathon on the run. And and, and so I'm curious for you, we're going to test your memory here. Uh, Can can you remember from one of your races what what one of the main, kind of give us an example of a race and, and what were three of the things that went wrong for you that you were able to correct in a future race because you wrote it down after having done the first race? Absolutely. I mean, people know me as a marathoner, but I did New York City Marathon when I was 27 year, years old when I was in 2002. And coach told me, be patient, don't go hard. And guess what? You feel great. You know, you have <laughs> adrenaline going in, you're feeling the crowd insane cheering you on. And yeah. that patience just went out the, out the door. And I remember just made a move and I'm like, I can win this thing. This is, looks easy. And felt comfortable. Got down to four people. And then I was like... Worst scenario, I got fourth. I got anything is guaranteed, but there's no guarantee in a marathon unless yeah. you discipline yourself. So I remember writing my, I finished the race anyways. I finished ninth, which is great. I ran 212.35, but I missed it by 35 seconds to get the A standard for the Olympics. So it was devastating in many ways. And I just said, you know what? I wrote, I went and wrote down, say, be patient. Make sure your, your long run is properly done. And don't throw, I threw my, my, 
spinning my gloves and my arm warmers off <laughs> as a rookie, keep them in because the weather can change, especially when the wind shifts and things like that. So either you have gloves or beanie, tuck them in your shorts. So then when you feel cold, you can put them on versus throwing them away. So those are the things that experience can only teach you versus, yeah. you know, coach got me ready to go to the race, but also to have to be disciplined enough to know when to make the move or when not to make the move because... You know, as you know, marathon is a long way and and little mistake. Coach Larson always says, you just got to be one third of the field. The reason being, one third is dealing with overtrain. One third, they second themselves out. Now, can you be the person that doesn't make a mistake and then be that one third? And if you do that, you can most likely can finish in the podium. So you have to make those decisions, make them count and be the one that makes the least mistakes because we humans, we make mistakes, but don't make the mistakes at the wrong time. Because if you do that, it's going to be not a marathon, it becomes ultra marathon. <laughs> ultra marathon, ultra more difficult than it should have been. And, and uh, yeah, we're already catching glimpses of, of the wisdom that our, our uh, 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 Meb coach athletes will, will receive from uh, their, their career, the, the athletes in the Meb Run Club. Uh, now, now, Meb, I want to talk about the nickname Marathon Meb because that that is your nickname. Everybody knows you as Marathon Meb. Uh, uh, you know that the marathon was kind of a focal point of your career, but but that nickname to me, just as a fan of your work, uh, that that overlooks what to me is a very well-rounded professional career. I mean, you you competed very competitively in a variety of distances. Uh, you you have accomplishments in the 5K, the 10K. Uh, and even the cross-country world championships. Uh, but but it's clear that you love the marathon more than anything else. Uh, f- for our athletes listening, you know, to, just to you in your own words, what makes the marathon distance just so special? The marathon is a wonderful event when it clicks, and it's not such a wonderful event when it doesn't click. So it goes as a metaphor for life. You know, you go through ups and downs and challenging circumstances. But the marathon is, you know, a beautiful thing when it clicks. Uh, I remember just, I know, for me, uh, the experience, to, in 2004, I, had a, I, had a, I got an opportunity to represent our country in the 10K, 6.2 miles, or a marathon. It's in Athens, Greece, where the origin of yeah. the marathon, the That's origin so cool. of the Olympics, and, you know, it was a tough decision. Be the, the 10K is done, like, the first three, four days. The marathon is climax of the event until yeah. the last day of the Olympic Games games to the closing ceremony. So that's why I chose to do the marathon because I always became a student of the sport and but particularly of the marathon. So that's why marathon came because I didn't love every marathon. I hated my first one. I never wanted to do another one. Wow. <laughs> it was such a painful. But even the second one I was undertrained and you know Chicago, I didn't go for the win. I went for time. Uh, but that made me realize if you can be patient, if you can do the proper training, great things gonna wait. And then by my fourth my fourth marathon, I became a silver medalist by winning the, our first medal for the Olympics since 1976, Frank Shorter. So I decided, you know what, this might be my thing, and then uh, start transitioning toward that. But I was like you said, I was doing the 10K marathon, 10K marathon, and it was in 2009 when I made the switch to full-time marathoning. And then once I did that, you know, with my speed for the 5K, 10K and cross-country experience, now shifting to the marathon, it paid big dividend by winning the, the New York City Marathon. And that was my dream. It always was, that was my first marathon. 
Yeah, that's cool. That was uh, I wanted yeah. to go for a push, and uh, you know, you don't always get what you think you deserve or what you're gonna get, but it always happens. I'm a believer; so it always happens in God's time, and yes, that time to be able to just win the New York City Marathon. And, you know, after winning a silver medal, I want to go to Beijing and defend my silver medal. But I didn't make the Olympic trial team. I was eight. So I sat home and watched it. But I remember telling my wife, you know, I, w- I definitely Sammy Wonjiro would not have been beaten. But silver and bronze was possible. So when you say those things, you're visualizing yourself. You're making a commitment to yourself. I can prove people wrong. So when it came to the New York City Marathon, wearing that red, white, and blue and Chanting USA, USA come in Central Park against a silver medalist, against a four-time Boston Marathon champion. I was ready to go and to be able to put that victory. That was my gold medal that I never had. For athletes listening who, who they've raced 5Ks, they've raced 10Ks, they've raced half marathons. You know, what, what, what's, what are kind of your coach tips for folks who haven't run a full to kind of transition to that longer distance from racing shorter distance. Well, you need to join Run Dot and maybe the Med Run the Med Club, Run Club. <laughs> to help you think to that. But you know, is people often ask me, "What's your favorite event?" It's whichever I'm fit for. So you set a goal to say, mm, "Hey, wow. I want to finish a 5K, or I want to half marathon, or I want to do a marathon." And then once you do that, they have that your uh, commitment. It's easier to work with it versus somebody say, hey, go around the street and that is walking or is that the shopping center and say, hey, do you want to go run a marathon? They're going to say, are you crazy? Absolutely not. <laughs> but when you have somebody dedicated and committed to and then we half of the battle is that now, how do we work through that to set you in a program to help you achieve small, one step at a time, you know, to the half marathon and then to the marathon? How do you do that? By working hard, being consistent, and listen to the advices because the advices are going to be very helpful. You don't, especially as a newbies, people want to get excited. Oh, I'm getting fa- faster. I'm getting in shape. And yes, but let's wait, wait for you to be able to get you to that finish line, the last two or three weeks. Don't get too excited because you haven't put in a lot of miles yet to be able to endure the, 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 the pace or the longevity. But if you stay statistically be careful with it, strategize it, amazing thing can happen. So my push for a marathon is, I think I always tell people they should do, and you're done in, the, in your Ironman, but you should do one marathon in your lifetime. Wow. If, because it's a, it, the dedication, the commitment, the perseverance, the hard work that entails to come to that will help you overcome anything in life after that. So by being patient and diligent and consistency will help you get to the finish line. What is that finish line is? your personal goal. I mean, I just talked to somebody from Vermont, a lady that wants to do uh, after been so many times in, in the marathon, and now she wants to get back to it. Age is a number, but at the same time, how do we modify to be able to get that person to be the best version of themselves? And that's why I'm so excited to, run, to join Ron Dot to be able to help people accomplish things. But be, be cognizant of who you are, what you want to accomplish, but by setting goals, you will achieve them because you dedicate yourself to it. So, so Med, we could fill an entire podcast episode just hearing your personal race stories. And we'll certainly hear some from you uh, whenever you do come on our podcast. Um, you, in fact, have so many great race stories that you filled a book uh, with your race stories. And I actually read your book, 26 Marathons, the week it came out, Med. The week it came out, I think I had a flight uh, to, to somewhere that week and I bought it on my Kindle, read it on the plane. Really, really enjoyed uh, uh, for, for, for our, our readers in the audience. Meb just tells more or less the story of his career 
uh, just marathon by marathon, you know, how it went, what he learned, the, the life lessons from it, what was going on. It, it, it's a memoir told through his 26 professional marathons, uh, which to me is a really clever storytelling device. Uh, but, but, but it brings out so many training and racing nuggets, uh, as well as just your personal stories. So, uh, for anybody who wants a full picture of Meb's career, go buy the book, go read the book. Uh, but Meb, just for today, as hard as it may be from your 26 marathons, you know, winning Boston, winning New York city, uh, being an, an Olympic medalist and, and so many more from your race career, what, what is just your singular one favorite story from the races to tell? It goes along the line that you said, uh, What's the best distance for you? you know, there have been so many wonderful achievements. So if it's a 5K you want to be fit for, you'd be fit for 5K. If you want to be fit for a marathon, you'd be fit for a marathon. But to answer your question, there have been so many things. You know, for me, winning the state title the first time, it's like, oh, my gosh, wow. I did it. Oh, I can't that, believe yeah. I did it. So you know, or NCA titles. But to be very fortunate to be able to say, I want a silver medal for our country. I want New York for our, our country. I want Boston. The Boston is the one that stands the most. Okay. The reason being, the year after the bombing, and it was a greater cause than myself because I wrote the victim's name on my bib to draw inspiration, the Boston Strong slogan. I said, I'm going to go up there. My goal was top three PR or win it. And, you know, I was two weeks shy of my 39th birthday. I had, according to experts, I had less than 1% chance wow. of winning the race. I was the 18th or 19th fastest guy in the field. But nobody can tell what's in your heart or your desire, your will. And uh, like I said, I'm, I'm a believer. So God had a plan for me. And at five miles into the race, you know, the last thing I told my coach was, don't worry, you're not going to see me in the front until the last 5K. Guess what? Five miles into the race, I was in the lead and <laughs> took off. And because the emotion of the crowd takes you, sometimes you got to listen to the instinct, to your spirit there. And I made that move just for boy went with me. And I'm like, what are they doing? They're making a mistake. Did I go out too hard? But I'm like, you know what? I just prayed. I said, God, give me the, the force. Give me the spirit of the energy of the crowd and the spirit of the victims. And what a greater, you know, time that was. And I don't, you know, you hear the athlete been in the zone. I don't remember going to the halfway point. If, even though this Wesley College, there's a lot of, you know, yeah. females, there's yeah, a yeah. lot of rowdiness going on. But I don't remember going to that because I was so focused in the moment. And I remember just saying, at 16 miles, I said, I'm going to go for it. I was hurting. I was in pain. But just keep persevering, keep persevering. And I had a smart watch. And that helped me kind of like my pacing in a way to just like, I, I'm going the same pace. I'm not getting out of abnormal. But I just try to make it as hard as possible for those people. And if they're going to catch me, they're going to have to earn it. And then with a the one mile to go, get down to six seconds from a minute and 15 seconds. It got closer and closer. I was getting nervous. But to be in Boston the year after the bombing, to have the victim's name, and 36,000 people came to do something better than themselves, a greater cause. I was just for, fortunate enough to lead them to the, come to Boston, chanting USA, USA, coming to that thrill wow. of a lifetime. It was always been my dream. The only thing that was missing in my resume was the Boston win, and to be able to do that on April 21st, 2014, a dream came true, and, you know, just... I've been a triathlete, you know, you when they say you are Iron Man. And I remember when they said, the 2014 Boston Marathon champion, it hit me. And I just went to tears because that's what you dream for. That's what you visualize for. And uh, reality and dream met that moment. And I just felt thrilled. I'm grateful to God for giving me those opportunities and, uh, and get me there because the 36,000 people of us want to do something back on Boylson to just erase, not erase, but help heal the city in a positive way. No, I'm just, just chills hearing you recount that. 
Yeah, and I know it's the same for Jeff as what we're just sitting here. But I, I think I think for me personally, Meb, just as a fan of the sport, the I I always watch the major marathons on TV. My, my wife still to this day does not understand why watching marathons and watching Iron Man on TV is interesting to me, but it is, right? We sit down and we watch the whole, we're glued to it. Cause you, you don't know when the moves are going to happen. You don't know when the critical points of the event are going to come. And, and the, the, the three just chill inducing, like, like, like moments that left a mark on me as a fan was your win in Boston, uh, Des London's win in Boston, and then Shalane Flanagan's win in New York city. were just all three just top tier, uh, experiences as, as an American marathon fan. Uh, so very cool to hear you recount that personal story. No, it's just those, you know, we want, you know, our goal was as to help revitalize the U.S. distance running. That was, okay. I wrote that letter, you know, even to Nike is not my sponsor anymore. At one point, when I 98, I said, help me help the re- resurgence U.S. distance run to have that vision and to wow. be able to overcome those and to have Desi win and Shalane win. It's like, if they could do it, they went to the collegiate system, we can do it. So there was a hope there. And I felt blessed to be able to be part of that transcender to help them revitalize the U.S. distance run. Yeah. So I, I, I do, before we sign off today, I, I want to ask a couple questions for our triathletes in the audience to get to learn some running wisdom from you. And so the, 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 the first question I want to ask here is just about race day itself, because I, I think for runners and triathletes, you know, there are lessons that you only learn from race day, you can do race simulations, you can do your long workouts, you can kind of try to prep your body for what it's going to feel like when you're out there. But but there's nothing quite like the way you go out there and push yourself on a race day, particularly the longer that race day will be. So from your in your career, from marathon one to marathon two to marathon 26, what did you do from race to race to examine how it went and make adjustments in your execution for the next time? Being healthy is important. Sometimes you're not going to be, sometimes you're not going to taper because you're playing catch up and you're only going to taper. If everything's going perfectly, you're going to taper the last three weeks. But if you're playing catch up, you're just going to taper the last week, the last three, four days. So those are important to know where you are in your training. Um, you know, don't, don't get, you know, get to the sideline healthy, but I always tell people you'd rather be 90, 93% healthy than 101% because when you're at hundred percent, you went over the hill. You just you know you, know, you might not finish. You overpeaked. Um, I think you know it's important to realize that where you are capable of doing, don't don't go according to what others think. Stick to your program. When you have done the work for yourself, just you know the beauty of marathons. You can slow down if you need to slow down, or you can uh, pick it up because the coach can get you ready, but you have to be the decision decision maker there. Whether you want to be top 10 or you just want on a personal best or your negative split of the race. We can get you there. But once we get you there, it's 90% mental now, wow. you know, 10% is physical and uh, on the preparation office is the opposite. 90% physical, 10% mental. You got to grind. Yeah, you got to grind. So true. But then it switches <laughs> and get up on time, eat what you're supposed to eat, wear the right shoes, the right gear, and then execute a good plan. You rather just, my advice to people do now is, Make your last mile the fastest if you can help it. You cannot, sometimes as elite, sometimes we have to react to others' competitors. But if you can, just pace yourself, make the last 5K or 10K gradual progress progress, and hammer the last mile. And you're going to have great finish and you're going to have a smoother recovery as well. So when us mortal runners watch elite runners run, there is just this effortless glide to the run form. And you certainly have that. 
that, that that really makes it, it just makes faster paces look effortless, right? I, I see I see footage on social media of of, of Kipchoge and, and 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 you from from your prime. It, it, there's just this glide to the run form of these elite marathoners. And for age group triathletes listening, you know what what tips do you have for crafting a smoother, more effortless looking stride? You know, I think form and mechanics are important. They need to be practiced daily or at least two, three times a week just to be able to just rehearse. My job as a, a professional athlete was to make it look easy. Okay. But it's never easy. <laughs> yeah. the, the reason is, one, to intimidate my competitors, even though you're hurting, but you got to think, how is my form? How I got to look good for this? Because if they're breathing hard, if their mechanics are broken down, if they see you smooth, they're like, this guy is unbelievable. So you got to mentally. But also the audience, the, uh, compa- the people cheering for you, you want to be able to just say, wow, look at that guy. He's looking good and strong. It is positive for you. And then I look at my shadow sometimes when I'm racing oh, wow. just to see how my form is. Because if my hands are not moving, my, me- my mechanics, high knee lift is not happening, then obviously I need to improve that. Take a conscious decision to say, shake your hands, re- re- reset. And it's important to do that. But, you know, it, we do make it look easy with the or <laughs> others, but it's never easy. But um, sometimes I tell my competitors, I like, I even breathe harder to just kind of psych them out a little bit. It's like, oh, he's That's hurting. fascinating. They make a move. And then eventually later on, you make the move because you want them to be the first initiators of the move. And then hopefully you can take over after two minutes or three minutes. I, I have never found myself in a position in a race to where I've had the privilege of doing that. But if, if I ever do, I'm going to keep that tip in my back pocket. And, uh, but just... you, don't, you don't have to be in the lead, you know, because <laughs> ra- that's the beauty of racing is. Racing is whether you want to eat age groupers or you want to work yeah, for your PR. There's a lot amongst of you, especially marathons. You know, you can go three miles, four miles, five miles together. So, you, I mean, you want to be the smoothest runner in that group and you know, you'd be able to just, I'm not, you know, uh, sometimes you have to push the pace, but be cognizant of what's around you. And it could be running a personal best is huge, whether you're on the front of the pack or the middle of the pack or the back of the pack. So you want to be able to do that. Yeah. It's so many, especially in, in triathlon events, you know, everybody has already swam. They've already biked. Uh, most athletes have usually overdone it on those legs of the race. And so when, when somebody is on the run course and their run form still looks good, they stand out and it's like, oh my gosh. And, and, and you'll hear people audibly like, hey man, you look great. Keep going. Like, cause it, it just, it's such an anomaly to see a triathlete on the run course holding good form and looking like they're still fresh because we've done all this work that came before it. So it's mind blowing how you guys make it look easy too. So I have to give you guys respect. For Thank that you, man. Thank just, you. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, after doing all that swimming and biking, my, my, I just do sometimes cross training on a bike or a lift to go. My legs are already shaking. So I don't know how you guys do all those three things. Well, I, I'm going to pull both of you into this question. So Jeff, I want you to be thinking of an answer as well. Cause you certainly have uh, some, some wisdom to offer here. Uh, all of our athletes listening, whether, whether they're a run dot runner or a try dot triathlete, you know, we can all pull up our, our, our run workout. We can head outside. We can follow the intervals, grab a recovery smoothie afterwards and call it a day. But, but I, I know talking with try dot coaches and run dot coaches, th- th- there are so many more nuances inside of that workout that we can be thinking about focusing on to get the most out of the session that th- there's going out and just doing the workout. Then there's going out and doing the workout with some extra intention so, so Meb, Jeff, for both of you, for our athletes listening, what focus points do you encourage athletes to, to, to be thinking about, to be focusing on within their run workouts out there interval to interval? 
Uh, Meb, we'll start with you, and then we'll let Jeff we'll let Jeff tack on second. Yeah, and I mean, when you're doing a workout, you need to be interactive. You know, you want to be able to do before, during, and after. And what's the intention of those things? Okay, I'm doing my warm up, getting ready, and now you're visualizing what my interval is going to look like. I want to run, whether you're doing 800 mile or whatever it might be, or swimming or intervals on the bike. Okay, I'm just warming up, visualizing, so I can replicate that at the interval, so hopefully be a good result for the race. And then, obviously, when you do that, replenishing is important. By doing a cool down, do a cool down right away, and then now, how do you replenish? You just grind yourself with intense workout. How do you recover? Cool down, have something really into your system. I usually, personally, have a you can shake that I usually use. Stretch, I would have to do that first and then stretch, and then ice bath, and then, you know, the, you know, the, 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 you know, the strengthening or massage once a, once a week or whatever. So you can be ready for the next, re- next workout, next week, next, because momentum is important. You don't want to be, staying healthy is important at any level. So you want to be able to just visualize the workout, the intention of it, and then the recovery, because they all go hand in hand. Jeff Boer, same question over to you. And and I, I, just as the founder and creator of TriDot Tri and RunDot, I mean, you you know how those workouts are built. You've seen the data on why they're built the way they're built. So what, what would you say to our athletes here on being as intentional as they can be to, to get the most out of each run workout specifically? Two things, and it's more, like you said, just to the mechanics of the workout. One is how important the warm-up is. To just be disciplined, do that. It's so worth it to warm up, to get things moving, to get your range of do motion. Do your run drills, people. Do your run drills. Do them. Don't skip yeah. the run drills. <laughs> second, um, I'll just do three. <clears throat> second is restraint on. Um, so the second is restraint on any intervals and not trying to overreach on the first ones. It's being consistent through all of them and making your last intervals as good or better than your first ones. And so many people go too hard on the first ones and then not. Um, good enough or hard enough on the last ones and they defeat the whole purpose of the workout the money work the money intervals are the last one that's where your big gains are going to be everything else is preparatory for the last two or three intervals depending on their their length and then the third um, last one i'll say is the rest between intervals make sure this not too short not too long is what prescribed and often there's an intensity in there you need to keep walking keep jogging that's very important to stay in the energy system that you need to not to recover too much um, so that you stay in the state needed to to move into the next interval. So um, being disciplined with those three things is is huge. We see, I know, in some of the cycling workouts and others, some are easier to work out or to to analyze because it's a consistent environment. But you can see as much as 30% more increase improvement from sessions when the athlete stays in the right um, rest between. They're jogging versus just walking or stopping and letting their body cool too much. So when they stay jogging, stay moving for a minute or 30 seconds or whatever it is, um, it makes a huge difference. I'll give a very tangible example there, Jeff. When, when I, I, I think I'd been a tried-out athlete for something like a year, when I, I finally just happened to actually read the session notes for the interval workouts, where for, for me, typically the interval workout, I'll have four minutes at zone five and then four minutes at zone two, and I'll have four or five sets of that, just depending on where I'm at in my, in my larger training cycle. And I, I like doing that one at the track. My zone five is, is, is 545, 550-minute miles, so I, I can get spinning pretty good on a track there. And I had done that workout for something like a year, and I, I would jog at zone two for the recoveries. And I just so happened one day to notice in the session notes on TriDot, it, 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 it was telling me to do the recovery, do those four minutes in between the more intense uh, efforts at a walk. 
it's still zone two, but and 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 so it's like, okay, well, well, that feels weird. My average pace isn't going to be as high on Strava, but let me try this. I felt so much better, and I was able to to hold that zone five pace through all five intervals so much better doing the recovery the way Trotta had actually told me to. So read your session notes and know that uh, the, the the way all those intervals are designed is for a reason. Um, uh, my, my, my next question for you, Matt, we've got two questions left here today and then we're going to, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, it's been a great main set hearing from Meb and Jeff, uh, when it comes to the run split on race day, pacing is important. Fueling is important. Fitness and motivation are important. Uh, much has been said over the years on our podcast about all of these items. Uh, but, but Meb with, with a runner of your caliber on the show, you know, what are the more intricate race execution items that elite runners pay attention to that your average triathlete probably doesn't? You know, I think getting to the starting line as healthy as possible is important, but having done the visualization, now you've been visualizing for so many weeks or months, now the reality is how you do you tactically conquer this course or this race. And the fluid stations, five, every 5K as an elite athlete, did you practice those? Now nothing has that changed, but the course can be a little bit different but have you visualized and prepare for that? Who are your competitors? I usually like to do a little a scouting. study guide. Yeah, a little scouting. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. a little scouting. Who, who they are? What, that, what was it? Did they do a tune-up race? Uh, how did it go? And you don't want to... Sh- Some people might not show their car, so they might not do a tune-up race, mm, but wow. have that in your... What's their strength? What's their weakness? Are they people that sit and kick, or are those the ones that are going to grind from the get-go mile? in a marathon from 20 to 20, all the way to the finish line. So having done those, it's important to study competitors. And, and for me, is be ready on that day. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you, I always say run to win. It doesn't mean necessarily mean getting first place by getting the best out of yourself. If somebody outsmarted you or outworked you, they deserve to win. Yeah. But don't, don't, you got to work hard. You got to be able to be smart and let's make, be the one that makes the least mistakes and hopefully you will come on top. And if you don't, you just congratulate that person that did. But in the back of your head, there's one, three things that we mentioned earlier. is like, you got me today, but I'm coming next time on you. Uh, to shut down this conversation today, um, I, I want to hear from, I know, I know you both just have such a, a heart to see the sport of running explode. And you want to see people fit and healthy and enjoying uh, outdoor endurance sports. You know, we know running is just a very popular way to stay fit. Uh, but, but, but as more and more runners find run dot and start doing the training, get plugged into our community, what role do, do both of you hope that run dot plays in the future of run training? And, and, uh, we'll go Jeff first on this one and then we'll shut down with Meb. We want to bring the technology that's going to help people get better results in less time with fewer injuries. And I think there's so many people that have dabbled in the sport, done a little bit of it, tried running. Um, but when you can get out there and, and give them something that's easy to follow, that reduces the stress of what do I do? How much am I overtrained, undertrained, and where they can get that satisfaction and get those better results, better than they thought they could, or better than they thought they could on the amount of time they had to train, or better, you know, from any of those. Um, I know we always say fast is fun, but faster is funner. Yeah. Um, so to be able to just get more satisfaction and exceed your goals, and it's really cool and to have that lifestyle. And then the injury side is huge. Seeing so many people, they may not even have endurance goals. Um, or, or comp- competitive goals, um, but they want to reduce stress. You know, we, we do those surveys of our athletes. Why do you run? Why, you know, what do you look for? And all these things. And so many want to reduce stress. They want to maintain body weight. They want to either a look or a, you know, a, a physique, a feel, a feeling of healthy. Um, sometimes they just want community. 
So being able to offer all of those things and keep them injury free so they can keep doing those things. The worst thing in the world, even when you're not competitive, if you get injured, you can't do the yeah, thing that you need so to true. do. The more times you get injured, the longer you're out and the less likely it is that you're going to come back. So Meb, throughout this whole thing, every he's consistency, consistency, consistency. And that's huge. And a lot of people, as they get older, every year they come back from a little time off or run in, they're a little heavier, a little grayer, a little older, and they're more likely to get injured. And so it's just super important. And if we can fill that role using technology to help people get more out of um, what they love, whatever they love about running, um, then that's a success uh, to me. Meb, what role do you hope that RunDot and the Meb Run Club plays in the future of run training? With RunDot, data-optimized training is important. When you have 3 million, 30 million training sessions, that speaks volume to be able to just say what worked, what hasn't worked. So to be able to have a better results with less injury, why do you need to go somewhere else? I mean, the whole point is to get to the sideline healthy. I mean, I wish Rhonda was around in my career <laughs> in, 2000, in 2007, you know, the trials, because I overdid it because I was just so excited to have my first win at the Olympic trials and I didn't even make the Olympic team. So wow. those are the, because I over, overdid it. So now you have the technology that says, do this kind of exercises. They have exercises that you can follow, drills that you can follow, that strengthen the muscles, the ligaments, and that's where the injury prevention comes. And you have this technology that says, okay, this is who I am, individually you, age, gender, all those stuff that can say, that will give you the information, so which is very important to say specifically you. So Rhonda can be used with coach or without a coach, but it's better with a coach, I think, because now you get that experience to just say, hey, when you say, oh, I don't know if I'm ready, the coach is there to say, you know what? We've done the work. Yeah. Shows this is what you have done with technology. Now just be human, be able to relax. Let's get you to the finish line as strong as possible. Confidant is what the coach is for. But even though with all the training session that Rondot has or Tridot has, it's important to know, hey, what, I'm, what am I capable of doing? Now you have to be able to just execute a good plan. So more importantly now, if it can prevent injuries, yeah, you have technology that can get you, guide you. Because that what means more the coaches can have one-on-one time with those people yeah not dictate not create a workout because you have the technology that do that now you can say hey i want to be able to just chit chat a little bit hey about the course which it does for you but now you can say how are you feeling versus or oh, what should i go train or what, what the temperature is going to be is all this is in there and uh, round on just now the the interaction becomes more personal so reality meets technology which is the best of both worlds for our triathletes who are interested in e either joining Team Meb uh, during their, the marathon part of their season or for just telling their run, running friends about Team Meb, where can they go find more information about uh, the, 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 the team and working with you on their running? Yeah, we have, we have newsletter and we have, we're going to be social media at Run Meb, but more importantly, marathonmeb.com. We'll have it there now to just click away to join the Meb Run Club. And I'm so excited. And this is a new venture for me, but I couldn't be happier with Rondot and Jeff and team. Thank you for giving me the opportunity and the timing is right. And there's more post-COVID. There's so many people running, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a critic by nature. <laughs> you know, I see people running and I give free advice sometimes when you. I'm running. Hey, <laughs> you know, be able to just do the arm carriage or your mechanic because they're stomping, you know. I'm not looking for the business to get theirs, but I'm just telling them, hey, you hear 
The hardest part is getting out the door. Now, how do you make yourself better? And Rondot is there to help you do that. And hopefully with the Mebron Club, you will be able to help others, a community that will stay together and help them get the best out of themselves. Jeff, can you imagine being just on a training run and you just happen to go by Meb <laughs> hanging out at the park and, and he, he shouts at you like, you know, land softer, you know, sweet, you know pump, pump your arms more. Like, hey, can you imagine? That would be epic. You know, I, I, you know, I, I run with people that just you don't even have to give. I just say, just follow me for the next 20 seconds. Wow. The whole, the whole mechanics changed then because they're conscious of it. Like, oh, I got to go with him. It shifted. Whereas before they were right here stinking the same pace in the shoulder, uptight. But now it's like, oh, I got to keep up with him. It's just, we're not doing faster. <laughs> we just change mechanic, which is kind of fun sometimes. <laughs> Great set, everyone. Let's cool down. Hi, friends. I'm Vanessa, your average triathlete with elite level enthusiasm. And joining us today for the coach cooldown tip is Brock Walaska. Plain and simple, he is a legend. Brock is a commander in the United States Navy serving on active duty as a supply officer. He is also the type of guy who for his 40th birthday dreamt of riding around the island of Sicily, which summed to over 633 miles or 1,000 kilometers at just under 30,000 feet or 90,000 meters of elevation, and it only took him four days. That's amazing. It is apparent that Brock likes cycling in any form because he has ridden 313 miles on a triathlon bike in 24 hours and completed a 400 mile ride on Zwift in 24 hours. That's just mind blowing to be honest. Um, and Brock does normal things too. Like he completed the Boston Marathon, sat on the age group podium at Clash Daytona and represented USA in the ITU Long Distance World Championship in 2018. On the coaching side of things, he is an Ironman U certified coach, TriDot and RunDot coach, pool school instructor, a certified personal trainer, and sports nutrition coach as well. He coaches athletes from beginner all the way through to competitive age groupers across all distances. Brock currently lives in Florida with his wife of 21 years, two teenage boys, and two golden doodles. Welcome to the show, Brock. Thank you, Vanessa. Excited to be here. Okay, so something most people don't know about you is that you have run one or more miles in 37 different countries. So give me your top highlight from one of these runs. Gosh, that's a hard choice. I mean, I love to travel. My family loves to travel. And between our personal adventures and military requirements, yeah, I've been fortunate to visit over three dozen countries. And I always make a point of running a mile or more. Uh, sometimes it's much more like a planned trip to the uh, authentic Athens Marathon, but oftentimes it would just be a quick uh, visit, you know, 24 to 36 hours in a particular country. And I believe there's no better way to explore a new place than to get out and to go for a run. Um, probably the most memorable of those quick trips was Lithuania. Uh, my ancestors migrated from there. And at the advice of a tour guide, I ran along the Baltic Way Monument early one morning before any of the tourists, or really many of the locals were even out. And uh, that monument plays a significant part in the history of Lithuania. Um, it was just an awesome time to think and reflect, had the whole place to myself. Um, as a kid, I remember hearing family stories about my heritage and it never crossed my mind that one day I'd actually be there in Lithuania one day, uh, you know, running at the, uh, the Baltic Way Monument. So 
uh, just a, a very surreal experience. Yeah, that sounds incredible. Um, thank you for sharing that. That's really, really cool that you've, you've paired your love of running with a lot of your family history and on a short trip nonetheless. So that's, that's amazing. I love that very much. Um, so what tip do you have to share with us today? All right, my tip for today is focus on what you can control. A problem I see with many triathletes is that they focus on things over which they have no control over. They worry about their competitors, the race results, or the weather. I mean, if you join any of the Facebook groups dedicated to a specific race, it's inevitable that someone <laughs> or multiple people We'll be posting weather forecasts like two weeks out from race yeah. day. And they'll be worried about the heat, the humidity, the water temperature, the wind, the chance of rain, <laughs> or any indication that it might not be a perfect race day. And sure, it's important to know the weather so you have your proper kit and nutrition planned out, but do not obsess over it. Uh, this focus serves no value because you can't do anything about them and it can actually have a negative impact on your performance. Many of us type A athletes don't like that feeling of being out of control. It creates anxiety, frustration. It hurts our confidence because you're helpless to do anything about the weather or the course conditions or other competitors and your results. And once the race begins, it's very important to stay focused on the process and not the outcome. Athletes who focus on outcome are worried about things like winning, losing, setting a PR, whether or not they'll qualify for nationals or mm. worlds. And sure, those are important for many athletes, but that's not what you focus on in the middle of a race, is you can't control those outcomes. Instead, focus on the process. Focus on specific aspects within your control that are necessary for you to perform at your very best, such as your attitude, maintaining good form on the swim, managing your pace, fueling and hydration, sticking to your race X plan, Stay focused on those to do your very best, and then the outcomes you've been training for will follow. Yeah, I, I think that all of those things are something that we all need to be reminded of very regularly, you know, like something that I almost need to write on my hand, like focus on Absolutely. what you can control, because if you start focusing on things that are out of your control, it becomes like this obsession, right? Like your mind just gets going down this track and, and you're going you're going off course. And I notice even during training sessions, um, when I start, when I'm in the middle of like a swim set or something and my mind starts to wander, so does my pace. Like it's, you know, it's, yep. it's like, as soon as your mind goes, it's, you're not fully focused on what you're doing and what's happening in the present and your performance is, is strong. You know, it's not as good as it could be. That's for sure. Um, so how, how do you, is there any tip that you have in terms of how to make sure that you, stay on track or how you keep that focus for in the moment or what what do you think about that yeah so there's something called the three p's of focus that help you stay in the right mindset uh during your race during your training uh, i mean you can go so far as to write the letter p on the inside ah. of your forearm to remind you know when uh life's getting hard out there or you um, you're starting to to think uh off track so the first p stands for positive. Focus on the positive things that will help your performance and avoid negative thoughts that will hurt it. Now, the second P is process. As I mentioned earlier, focus on specific aspects within your control that are necessary to perform at your best, such as your form, 
nutrition, following that race X plan, and not on how your competitors are doing or that the weather isn't cooperating. And the last P stands for present. You need to be present in that moment. Focus on what you can do right now to perform as well as you can in the moment that you are in. Thinking about a slow swim as you're on the bike or thinking about a bike mechanical that you had to overcome while you're out there on the run course won't help you. You can't change that now. There will be plenty of time after the race to look back and reflect with your coach on what went well or what did not go well. But during the race, you need to stay present to do your very best. So stay positive, focus on the process, and be present. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe and share the TriDot podcast with your triathlon crew. For more great tri content and community, connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Ready to optimize your training? Head to TriDot.com and start your free trial today. TriDot, the obvious and automatic choice for triathlon training.